Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the adult ministries pastor uh, here at Journey. Uh, Sunday was message six in what has been an unbelievable series uh, called Jesus and Spiritual Foundations. We're in Matthew chapter seven still, and the message is called The Storm. Uh, we're really glad you've uh, decided to tune in from wherever you are around the country. We'd love for you to tune in. It's always great to get a chance to watch or listen to the sermon. You can do that on our Journey Church International app or our takethejourney.cc website uh, or even on YouTube. Um, people tune in uh, every week to the podcast trying to learn, trying to grow in their faith, and we're glad you're here. Uh, we really hope to activate your faith as you listen today. Uh, Pastor Christian, this past week you had the opportunity to speak with a couple different groups uh, of students at, at a youth camp. Can you share, man, your experience with us about uh, how God worked in the hearts of these students? Yeah, so I had an opportunity to spend seven days in, in Talladega, Alabama at a retreat center called Shaco Springs. I think there were 28 different churches uh, representing maybe 10 different states from kind of around the southeast uh, at a set of camps called Go Tell Youth Camps, did two kind of back to back three and a half day camps, it, and it was just incredible. I mean, Ryan, the the um, the the hunger of kids at, at student camps. You know, there there's so much excitement. There's so much uh, freedom. There's so much kind of undivided intentional time to pour into them spiritually. It was just really really good. So we, my message is I had the opportunity um, to speak to the kids three times at each camp and then speak to the leaders at a couple camp. And we just kind of camped out with Elijah on Mount Carmel. Uh, and, and we just kind of talked about the showdown with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. Baal, of course, was the storm god people. Uh, struggled to put God at the center of their lives because the way, just the way culture was shaped, uh, Baal represented kind of the God of work. Work, work always came first. Uh, Asherah represented the goddess of fertility, which is family and community. Um, and, and basically God took, God took third place to, uh, to work and to family and fun and community. And Elijah, Elijah called the people back and said, Hey, let's get focused again. So to be able to talk with the students about getting focused spiritually. And then at the end to have a real good plan, like Elijah had after, you know, he, he ran from Mount Carmel in Northern Israel to Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula. God gave him a plan of listen, if, like, if you're going to be strong going forward, here's some things that you've, that you've got to do just to be able to, to take students on a spiritual journey with Elijah from 2,800 years ago and to watch people make spiritual decisions to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, to watch students recommit after a time of maybe putting other things in front of Jesus, to watch students get refocused after a year of COVID and, you know, just being inconsistent in the things of faith. And then, and then to watch students bond together and say, Hey, we can't do this without each other. So, so let's help each other. Uh, we, we saw the best of spiritual community at youth camp. And I can't wait to leave for our youth camp and to kind of repeat that process with, with students in our church. Some of the greatest spiritual decisions in uh, the lives of our students, our leaders, myself, even my own oldest daughter, uh, have been at youth camp. So I'm really, I'm really excited as well. 
Pastor Christian, you highlight Matthew seven twenty four through 27 in this week's message. Verse 25 says this, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Right? We all know we've got a, a scripture track in line with what we might learn uh, in a future discipleship track. Uh, we always want to dig into scripture. What, what else do we find in scripture about the need to build a solid foundation on Jesus? Well, I, I think what we realize that is Jesus' principal teaching here is so we looked at the contrasts in in Matthew chapter seven that you know the there are always going to be the wise there are always going to be the foolish there are always going to be people who hear and don't apply and people who hear and do apply there are always going to be people who build their foundation on the rock versus people who build their foundation on the sand like the constant though is is the storm. And I think it's it's this reality that we hear for the first time in the Garden of Eden. So God told Adam and Eve, I mean, very clearly, hey, here's my standard for the the blessed life I want you to have. But this tree will get you in trouble. And even though he warned them, they were drawn through the power of Satan and his temptation to that tree. The second kind of major sin that we see committed in Scripture when Cain killed his brother Abel, God again warns him. Hey, this is like you get a storm coming spiritually, like Satan's crouching at your door and he wants to destroy you. But you like you don't have to do this. I think what we see over and over again, then a literal storm breaks loose in Scripture in Genesis chapter six, where God sends a flood for 40 days and 40 nights on the earth. Like, I think the the story of Scripture is a story of of perfect creation corrupted by sin that just brought, I mean, wave after wave of brokenness, wave after wave of storm, wave after wave of temptation and death to humanity, but never without warning and never without escape. And I think it's so important what Paul says to the people in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen when he was like, listen, nobody is tempted beyond what they can bear. And God's faithful. He will always provide a way out for you. But that way out is so often going to be scripture. It's going to be Holy Spirit. It's going to be spiritual community. And people who are pursuing Jesus pursue those things because that's, that's where he's found. That's where he lives. That's where, you know, Jesus, the first time we see him engaging spiritually in life is in the temple courts. And he's talking about scripture and he's asking questions and he's answering questions. And then we, 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 we never see him without spiritual community unless his times of solitude are being spent in prayer and fasting. Like, not just Jesus, but the life of Jesus. That when I am alone, prayer and fasting and time in God's word connect me to God. When, when I'm not alone, I need to be with spiritual community. It's the only way that I can make it. And when I'm, when I'm living on purpose and on mission, it's usually in the temple courts being about the things that the Father would have me be about. So I think from early in Genesis to the end of Revelation, you see devastation after devastation, brokenness upon brokenness, um, hardship upon hardship, storms, storms for the righteous, storms for the unrighteous. But if our foundation is not just who Jesus is, but if it's what Jesus taught, and if it's how Jesus lived, 
And if it's what Jesus told us to lean into, it's the Matthew 5, 6, and 7. What I want you to become, how I want you to behave, what what you'll need to believe. I mean, the whole Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, when when he said, whoever hears and applies these things, he wasn't talking about the three verses that Mike preached about last week. He was talking about everything from Matthew 5, 1 to Matthew seven twenty three. He's like, this Sermon on the Mount, this content... The person who becomes like me, behaves like me, believes what I say is most important. And build your life on that. That is the person that when the storms come, not if, but when, and they are, is going to be okay. Like Noah, they will survive the flood. Better than Cain, they will survive the temptation. Better than Adam and Eve, they will avoid the tree. Like he's just, he's, he's re-engineering the brokenness of life with with spiritual with a picture of spiritual completion and opportunity through his teaching and his life and his imitation and the foundations that he wants to set for us you know that kind of leads into the next question um you know the life track where we teach people how to apply to their lives what they learn from scripture in your message you talk about the four contrasts right of how to handle the storms that come in our lives can you reiterate why these uh, the order of these is so important. Yeah, so four contrasts that we study, those who apply Jesus' teaching and those who don't, the wise and the foolish, the rock and the sand, the house that stands and the house that falls. Only one of those contrasts is given to us to choose, and the rest flow from that. So literally, Jesus gives those listening to the Sermon on the Mount one choice. Apply what you've heard or don't. Based on that, you will be wise or foolish. Your house will be built on the rock or the sand. Your house will stand or it will fall. So it's the exact same things James says in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, when James is like, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at himself in the mirror and then he immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. James is like, to really know your soul, it's not hearing Jesus teach, it's applying his teaching. Because in the experience of doing what Jesus has called you to do, you understand who he is, you understand who you are, and you understand how much you need him. So the contrasts are really important, but the first contrast is the only choice. Apply it or don't apply it. And then everything falls in place after that. You apply it, you're going to, you're going to have wisdom. Your house is going to be built on the rock and it's going to stand. You don't apply it. You're going to, you're going to be foolish. Your house is going to have a really sandy foundation. And on sunny days, you're going to be okay. But on rainy days, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. And Jesus said, your house will fall with a crash. It will not just be something that happens to you. It will be evident to everyone will see and hear. Eventually, your spiritual fall. It'll fall with a crash simply because you choose, you, you choose, um, to hear, but not to apply what Jesus is teaching. It's interesting how so many things in life, order is important. Yes. Um, faith brings works. Right. Your heart brings obedience. And people try to get those out of order and they often have their lives fall apart. Yeah. So we, we so often put things in the order of our desire rather than our responsibility. So we would say, I want my house to stand 
That num- number one, I want my house to stand. Number two, I, I want to have a foundation on the rock. Number three, I want to be wise. And it's like, okay, um, before any of those things can happen, you have to choose to apply Jesus' teaching or not. And it's like, well, I'd really rather not do that, but I want the other three. And yeah, or- order is important. Jesus has revealed his word and his will, and he's revealed the consequences of following it, which are really good consequences. And ignoring it, which are really bad consequences. But he, but he puts the choice back in our lap. We we talked about Moses telling the people of Israel, you got to choose. Joshua telling the people of Israel, you got to choose. Jeremiah telling the people of Israel, you got to choose. As we walk through several weeks back, this thought that got, you know God God gives you a choice. Most people choose no. Um, Jesus is saying, cho- choosing yes will be really beneficial for you, but it's in your lap. Amen. Great, great truth. Um, you highlight uh, the Jesus discipleship track. Yeah. You spend a little time unpacking that for our people. That's designed to help people know, love, and walk with Jesus daily. After addressing the authority of Jesus mentioned in Matthew seven twenty uh, seven twenty nine, you make you make the statement: Jesus will not have my submission to his authority until he has the amazement of my worship. Why Why is understanding the authority of Jesus so important in the life of a person trying to live and walk with Jesus? Well, Paul told the church in Philippi that one day every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue in heaven and on earth and under the earth would confess that Jesus is master. So that's coming. That That realization is coming for every human being who has ever lived according to scripture. When Jesus tells us to pray prayers like your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you hear the authors of scripture say, this is eternal life to know God and his only son, you get the impression that eternal life is not something that just happens after you die. When you hear Jesus say, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It seems like Christianity is the promise of something now and later. And what we're going to learn is everyone in the world at the moment of judgment is going to confess that Jesus Jesus was Lord, he is God. Some of them right before they then head into what scripture would call like an, an eternal condemnation because they rejected the guy who was in charge. I think what Jesus is doing is, is, is he's giving us a chance to start eternity early. He's giving us a chance to experience his blessing early. He's giving us a chance to live in his kingdom now, even though we're on earth, he's giving us a chance to live in his kingdom now by acknowledging his authority. And I think every time a Christian acknowledges the authority of Jesus, they are, they are just stating what's already true, that the authorities and things that are set in place, the way the world works is broken. It's not good enough. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't end in life that is abundant and eternal. Like when we confess as followers of Jesus that he is truly the one who's in charge, one, we're getting a head start on eternity 
because everyone does that as they head into eternity. But two, I think we get a head start on some of the blessings and some of the perspectives and some of the mindset of heaven because we, we look at, we look around at authority that's less than Jesus. Our bosses, sometimes our parents, our coaches, Certainly every one of our pastors, all of our spiritual authority falls so far short short of Jesus. And we look at them and we have more grace for all of them because we think I'm not expecting them to do what only Jesus can do. Like I'm not expecting them to be able to take my whole heart and protect it. Because I've given that, I've given that to Jesus. So I, I think it, it both protects us, it blesses us, and I think it allows us to have more ministry and live in more grace towards those people who are in positions of authority in our life, but we don't expect them to meet needs and to act in ways and react in ways that, on, that only Jesus can. Everyone is going to confess his authority. Followers of Jesus get to do it early. And, and because of that, like we, we get, we get the sneak preview of the kingdom and the blessing and the perspective of, tr- of trust and then, the, and then a lifestyle of grace towards others. Yeah. Amen. We love and trust him. And so we trust his authority in our life. The, the fourth track is the, the, the leadership, what we've called, you know, the discipleship, the multiple, uh, multiplication track where our hope is to lead people to help somebody else with what they've learned. So what are the one to two things from today's message, maybe for our listener, that, that you would believe are crucial for people to multiply in the lives of someone else? So two things. Um, one, the amazement of Jesus. I think a, a lot of people fail to trust and obey Jesus because they just they just don't know him deeply enough. And, and the thing we have in our, in our Jesus track that we talked about is you, like, until you really know Jesus, until you know how Jesus would react in a situation, until you know the encounters that people had with Jesus, like, until you really know his heart, until you've experienced his heart, until you've trusted his promises, like, until Jesus is bigger than anything in your life, your trust will not be bigger than any challenge that you have. So I think as in a, from a discipleship perspective, I think bef- before we teach people to love theology, we have to teach them to love Jesus. But, you know, before we, before we teach them kind of the, you know, the, the, the 101 of secondary doctrinal issues, we have to teach them to love Jesus. Even, even before we teach them some of the harder truths in life. We have, we have to teach them about Jesus. Jesus had this three phase ministry with his disciples that were marked by three separate phrases. When he first called the disciples, it was like, come and see, come and check it out. Come, come and be amazed. Come and fall in love. And once they were like, man, we're in, like we've watched you long enough now to be in. Then he asked them to come and follow and once their experiences following Jesus told them that they could trust him completely, he asked them to come and die. So I, I think as we disciple people, I think sometimes we ask people to come and die and come and follow before we ask them to come and see. And we've not given them the, the reason to, tr- to trust what is not the unknown, but to trust what is the invisible, to trust what is the unseen, but to trust what is the very real in the person. 
and the work of, of Jesus in their life. So one, we have to help people be amazed at Jesus. Not just, not just Jesus in scripture, but we have to pull out of people. Where has Jesus been active in your life? Where, where are you overwhelmed? At the good, like at the goodness of God, that great song that we sing, you know, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. People can't worship with that until they believe it. They can't believe it until it's been pointed out. So I think we've got to help people be amazed at the person of Jesus. And then I think we have to help people understand where they are at a fork in the road. We have to help people understand contrast number one. You are in an area where I can tell you've not yet decided whether you're going to trust Jesus or trust yourself. So if if we could, in our discipleship relationships, walk right up to a fork in the road with people and say, you're facing a decision that it's very clear what Jesus says. It's very clear what everyone else wants or what may even seem easy. But this is your choice to decide to apply or not apply. But you have to know this road to the right that is apply Jesus' teaching even when it's uncertain. It will make you wise. It is solid. The house will stand. This road over here, even if it goes good for a year or two, you're not promised if you go on your own that when the storm hits, and it will, that that you're going to be wise, you're going to be solid, and that you're going to stand. So I, I think in, in discipleship, we can't make people's decisions for them, but I think we have to point out the areas in their life where it's like, Hey, this is like, this is an area where you're going to have to choose to trust Jesus or not. For those of us with teenagers, that might be in the area of dating, might be in the area of sexual purity, might be in the area of what college they choose, whether they choose a secular institution or a, you know, a Christian school that's going to, that's going to train them up. Um, might be helping our kids understand whether or not they can miss a week of practice or band camp for a mission trip or whether, you know, whether they want to continue to pursue. I think this is when you walk to the fork in the road with people and say, all right, um, here's what Jesus says about this choice. And if we apply it, wisdom, stability, you're going to stand or you can go on your own. But, but, but here's what that could result in. I think, I think discipleship is helping people make those decisions, cheering them on when they make the right decision, comforting, comforting them when they make the wrong decision and you got to rebuild the house. I, I think you always help them rebuild the house. Uh, so the two things with me would be help them find the amazement of Jesus, help them find the fork in the road and just help them, help them see how trusting Jesus is always safe. It's not always easy, but trusting Jesus and his teaching is always safe. Because he told us today, it'll make you wise, you'll be stable, you'll withstand the storm. He didn't say it'll keep you from the storm, but he said you'll survive the storm. And I think that's part of discipleship, helping people in a broken, devastating world survive the storms that we've seen come and go, it seems like, weekly in 2020 and 2021. I was going to say, yeah, now more than ever, people need to hear this, people need to be uh, equipped to to disciple someone, but need to know some of these great truths that they can help people because these are re- very practical things they're going to need to know how to do in their own life and in the lives of someone else. By the way, our discipleship tracks will be rolling uh, those out um, in more detail in August to our entire church so that as they kick off in September, people will know how they can get involved in the discipleship track and find a great uh, discipleship group where they can grow and figure out where uh, they believe God's uh, moving them in their discipleship process. Last question, um, the reflection question for Friday, 
key verses, Matthew 7, 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So uh, the key reflection question that you presented to our church um, is one of the reflection questions. I ask you, what amazes you most about Jesus? Yeah, it's interesting. I almost, when I, when I sent the message over, I almost said, hey, ask me that question. Uh, we, were, I, I, we were in tune. The Holy yeah, Spirit yeah, was working. So, yeah, it's, it's funny that you asked me that. I mean, for me, it's got to be the forgiveness of God. The patience and and the forgiveness of God. Because not just forgiveness once, but forgiveness over and over and over again. And the patience and the grace of God to continue to use um, a sinner like me. Not a sinner like I was, a sinner like I am, that that still doesn't exude all nine of the spiritual fruit at every moment of every day, that still does not surrender all my spiritual gifts all day every day like I should, that still that still doesn't crucify the flesh every day. Uh, I think the yeah the thing that amazed amazes me like like Paul said that. You know, I don't know. A, I don't know a sinner worse than me because I I only know my own sin intimately. Yet the grace of God to me was not without effect, which means it 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 has changed me. It continues to change me, and I'm like Paul. I'm not perfect yet. I'm able to forget what's behind because Jesus was willing to forgive and forget what is behind, and I'm willing to strain towards what is what is ahead. Because I know that I'm not, I don't have a two strike count. I know that my next miss is not game over for me in life with Jesus. He gives so much grace in the past and he gives so much patience in the future that you just feel like as long as you're willing, he's willing. And that, and that just, um, it, it amazes me. It makes me so grateful and it makes me every day want to, want to continue to, to attempt to die to myself and, and to live for him it, it it makes me want to continue to be a galatians 220 christian that that i crucify myself i don't live any longer but the life i now live i live by faith in the son of god who who loved me and who gave himself for me so that every day i can say hey this this day's because of what jesus did for me yesterday and because of what i know jesus will do for me tomorrow if i need it today will be for him And I just think that 360 view every day, all day, because of his patience in my life, because of his forgiveness in my life, um, that that will that will never get old to me. Great way to finish the podcast. I appreciate uh, your your thoughts. I I say ditto. I'm amazed every day. Amazing grace, who you know, save a wretch like me. So, Pastor Christian, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're a new listener, as always, we really hope you enjoyed the content. If you would share it, if you would rate it, that would really help us. Uh, we hope you'll be back um, often for some biblical insights and ways to really uh, jumpstart and activate your faith. If you're here in town, come see us in person at uh, one of our services here in Lee Summit. And uh, we'd love to hear from you if we can answer a question for you online that you have um, on the air that you have questions about. You can uh, uh, email it to us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.